been a crazy, crazy month. I know it's been a couple weeks since we had our last podcast, so we have a whole lot to discuss today. We got a lot to discuss. It's like a super month for me. You know, it's Black Music Month and it's Gay Pride Month, so... Oh, like yeah, I'm double up. Final form. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you right there, hey. You said you're doubling up, so... That's right. You got a couple days left. You got to go hard the rest of the week, then. Nah, I'm too old to go too hard. Can't do it, can't do it. Looks like everybody's on my Twitch logged in, so... Let's get into it. Everybody who is tuned in, welcome. This is the live version of my podcast, Behind the Wheels. I am DJ Artistic. You're rocking with me and my co-host, EB. EB for prayers right here. That's right. I'm a DJ from Los Angeles, California, EB. Let them know who you are. I'm a writer, blogger, content creator, the musicologist in love with everything black, blacker, and blacker than blacker. That's what it's about, keeping it black. It is Black Music Month, so just to do something special and something different, to conclude this uh, season two, we are doing a live version of our podcast. We do have episodes from season one and season two available on Apple and Spotify podcast, but this one here is going to be live. So if you want to join, we have a link for Riverside as well. If you want to come straight to where we are right now, but if you're on Twitch, stay tuned on Twitch. I'll see your comments on there as well. So we're talking about everything. There's been a whole lot going on lately. So let's go ahead and get into it. Let's get into it. So. The most recent thing is the BET Awards. So, EB, were you able to catch those uh, BET Awards? Yeah, I watched the whole long-ass four-hour show. I did. I kept, I caught yeah. it all, but you was there in the building. I was there. So, in typical L.A. fashion, I didn't get tickets till after the show started. So, I was watching it on the couch. My Wi-Fi was tripping, so I couldn't even watch it on the TV. I'm on my cell phone watching it. It's annoying trying to watch it. I'm eating some Roscoe's with this hand. So I'm like, Roscoe. next thing you know, a text pop up like, I got a ticket for you. I'm like, all right, let me speed up. So I got there and saw it in person. At least the last, it was a long show. It went up for about four hours. So I saw about the last two and a half hours. So overall, it was a very well-produced show, I would say. It was a lot that happened. Um, I saw Lizzo open up the show. I saw, it was a lot that yeah, happened. Lizzo, Lizzo opened yeah. and I've never, first of all, anybody who knows me know I'm old as fuck. So a lot of these people I've never honestly sat and listened to, yeah. but I was really impressed with Lizzo, her opening. Like she brought the energy to it. And I just love like the body positivity that was on the stage that night. It was beautiful. Yeah, for real. I feel like uh, the thing with Lizzo is that because she kind of popped up out of nowhere in a sense, it was where my first time seeing her was, I think BET Awards was that three years ago now, three, four years ago. That was my first time. So I realized that I was late to the party, but it was where her music, it, it already kind of crossed over, but you know how it is. A lot of times when artists cross over, um, similar to who we were talking about for the Grammys, uh, we were talking about, um, what's, what's the dude's name who did uh, Freedom? Um, oh. John, um, John Batiste. Yeah, yeah. So similar to that is where a lot of times when, when our artists cross over, you know, the own community doesn't love it as much. But with Lizzo, I feel like she's walking that line in a good way. And her new single is probably my favorite single from her, that um, About Damn Time. Yeah, that that's yeah. all I love. Like like you said, like I think when artists come out and once they reach that point where they're crossing over, I kind of tend to tune out because yeah. in my mind, it means the bullshit coming. But this Usually song is so, nice yeah. and the performance was, it was, the performance was hot. Like I thought she did a great job. Um, I don't want Taraji back as the host next year. Really? That's just my, you like, like you're it, on the fan? Nah, it just kept falling flat. And it was, it was a couple awkward moments. Love Taraji to death, but don't come back. I Man, that's HG though. You supposed I mean, to you know, your, uh, but, know. Um, you know, yeah, nah. I don't know. I, I actually don't know. Too <laughs> well, much. you, you should, you should know. <laughs> all right. All right. But yeah, I mean, I feel like BT Awards is kind of a, tr a tricky one to host. I feel like it hasn't been too many hosts who 
were like so great where I feel like they should come back because it's like they they try to play it safe enough, but then they try to be a little bit risky at the same time. And it's yeah, you're appealing to the kids who are watching along with the grandparents. So I get that it's a difficult type of show to host. So I understand, like, but I I would love to see like Jamie Foxx or even Issa host that. I I'd love to see somebody like that. Listen, Issa would probably kill it. Jamie would definitely yeah. kill it. Um, our good sis Monique, if she gets herself together. Yeah, she, Monique did like, it. Her, yeah, her, she came out with Beyonce. She was Beyonce. still like the most yeah. iconic opening of the show, the most iconic host in my yeah. opinion. So I would love for that to Easily. happen again. Easily. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Monique killed that one with that whole Beyonce crazy in love. So that's definitely something that, that um, I'll look forward to. As far as so the categories, I feel like most of the winners were respectable at, at the minimum. I feel like I was happy to see Tim's won that Best International and <laughs> Um, the only one I, I wasn't a fan of, obviously, you know me, was the weekend with him winning for best um, male. Was it yeah. R&B slash pop? Slash you know pop. I, mean? I don't. I don't understand why he is in R and B categories. I still don't. I don't care yeah. what anybody says. And they, I thought today somebody was like, "Is Michael Jackson considered R and B?" I'm like, that's not the same thing. I would love for the Michael yeah. Jackson and the weekend comparisons. To it's stop no point completely. It's, look. I mean, just because uh, Weekend sounds like a neutered version of Mike don't mean that he's anything close to Mike. Mm. I mean, it's a whole different thing. But speaking of that, so they had, like, the category. They had the R&B slash pop category. Yeah. And how do you feel about that? Because it's, like, one of the arguments I've been seeing lately is that when it comes to, you know, categorizations, they do kind of say a lot of times it's just race-based. So it's, like, if Beyonce makes this song as R&B, if... Taylor Swift makes a song as pop just because it's that's it's, obvious. But even even when it's a similar voice, it could be Christina Aguilera or somebody who does have a more soulful voice. But if they're not black, they might call it pop. When it's a black artist who might be more pop appeal, appealing or leaning, they might still call it R and B, such as like Doja Cat. Right. A lot of times. I and think it, it gets complicated. That yeah. the black artists you get categorized as pop when you appeal to white people. That's the bottom line. Plain yeah. and simple. For yeah. white artists, you can get categorized as R&B as long as your sound is on the two and the four and not the one and the three. They're going to already say, oh, that's an R&B yeah. song. I hate the way they do it, especially with R&B, because I feel like even though all genres are just children of other genres and they're all mixed together, yeah. R&B, like, in its purest form, is kind of getting erased. At first, we saw the marriage with hip-hop. And even listening to the radio, like everybody listening right now, if you Google right now, 2017 R&B songs, I guarantee you, you're going to see a whole bunch of stuff that is nowhere near R&B. But that's oh, just because sure. it's getting yeah. erased by hip hop. And then to add that pop, R&B slash pop is like additional erasion. I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It is tricky. So with that. Do you think there's any artists that would be arguable? Because, like, to me, the most arguable artist right now is probably Normani. Because I feel like Normani, if you hear Motivation or some of her songs, that's more pop. But then yeah. Wild Side is definitely more of an R&B because it has that Aaliyah-ish type of, uh, I'm not going to call it a sample, but <laughs> that's, that's more of an R&B type song. So even when it's somebody like her, because some folks will argue and say Beyonce is pop. And I'm like, she's definitely at that level to where you can call her a pop star. But right. At the root, she's still R&B. I think that's the that's what people are missing. At the root, if you're an R&B artist versus trying to make somebody like The Weeknd an R&B artist when he's clearly just a pop artist. Like Beyonce yeah. at her root is still R&B. Now, what she releases and what appeals to people who are non-melanated 
then they'll categorize it as pop. Like it won't yeah. be just R and B because you somehow have um, just gone out of the realm of R and B and now you on another level, which I, I still hate that. Like I still think R and B is the, one of the purest and most beautiful forms of music. But like I said, it's losing some of that purity to other genres. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't have an answer for it right now. I don't know what you, what people can do about it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, um, along with that, so speaking of R and B, period. Um, when it comes to these vocal performances we've been hearing <laughs> lately, so we heard one example from I mean, Giveon did look down at his mic. And he was like, what "Like, the is fuck? the mic lying to me?" Like, so for what I've heard, people. I mean, look, he's from Long Beach. So I can't. I'm not gonna go in on him. You know, yeah. it's still L.A. County ish. You know, so <laughs> but it's where people have told me he sounds great live in person. So. Like, I'm not a professional singer. I can't say that, like, just in my own head, I think that you can tell what key you're on, you're singing. I would think, but as a, a yeah. professional singer, it might be different. Listen, you I can really tell, but that. when you're mic'd up and you're on a stage and you have an earpiece in, you really can't hear yourself, especially if you're performing to a backing track or with a live band, because that's what you're yeah. hearing. So that's why they wear the earpieces, to hear, the, to hear themselves. Um, I will say in his defense, I've never heard or listened to Giveon, but I've only heard good things about him. And unlike yeah. some other people who have, you know, these fucked up vocal moments, him looking at the mic the way he did, <laughs> that let me know, oh, he was confused yeah. about, the, you know, the key and yeah. the notes too. So I, I'm going to give him a pass this time. He just still got to prove himself performing. He got to redeem himself. Yeah, he got yeah. to yeah. redeem himself. But like I said on Twitter, there's such a different um, – experience for artists now back in the day you were on some something like star search or showtime at the apollo or the gong show and you honed your skills singing live yeah. in front of audiences that's how a lot of people got discovered at talent shows like you know they they honed their skills that way so this generation is real if you're creating music and you're only doing it in front of your phone or in front of your computer for youtube or for tiktok or whatever you're not really sharpening those live performance skills. And I think that's where it's going wrong. It's, it's nothing to do with maybe, you know, they can't sing. I don't know. But a lot of it is you have to sharpen those skills performing live yeah. in front of audiences. And they don't do that anymore, especially leaving a pandemic. Everybody been at home, you know, like mm, frying chicken. Yeah, and, yeah, they're not, they ain't doing nothing. They're not performing. And even yeah. before then, younger artists don't tour in the same way that older artists do and i think that's just a fact like there are older artists who actually make their living like they just tour younger artists don't do that you know they they that's post real. on social that's media real. all day that's their job is social yes, media now. their job yeah. now is social media it's not actually sharpening those skills and being or becoming a great live performer and i think that's where the disconnect is with a lot of people not just give on but you know not just at all. I mean, because the, the main thing was that verses. Everybody Man. saw verses and when Mario said, y'all think it sound crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and this is the thing. Mario yeah. sounded great, but also Mario kind of came up in an era at the very end of this era where he was with this label and they were just putting him on tours. Like I saw Mario at yeah. some radio station concert one year. It was like Mario r kelly and public announcement lil wayne was there it was like wow. they were performing live with yeah. even with omarion i'm a little shocked because i've seen b2k too for, i've yeah. seen b2k yeah. live so i was just a little shocked that like damn nobody's sounding good now what's his name jeremiah jeremiah i mean that ooh, was what i ooh. expected like i 
That's I mean, exactly Jeremiah, what I expected. To me, Jeremiah has a lot of great, like, great features and beautiful songs. Gowns. But beautiful gowns. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what it was. I Listen. feel like when he when he tried to go live and it, it did feel like they didn't they didn't do what they're supposed to because I mean of course we saw Ray J and we saw Brandy's coming it's where Brandy <laughs> said like like she she's not gonna let you embarrass the bloodline so nah. she had a whole post was like look bruh you didn't drink the special tea I made you today like see a vocalist like that said you were not like you, Brandy you know, you knows because Brandy yeah. also like Brandy's legacy alone is based on her being the vocal bible and she yeah. knows because she has toured and she has worked like tirelessly with all of these big producers and big names and her voice is still one of the most purest voices. You know, there's yeah. an entire generation that we're listening to right now influenced by this woman's vocals alone. Like Brandy yeah. wasn't the best dancer. Like you didn't see her doing her Sierra one, two step everywhere. But what you did it's hear real. was those Whitney Houston S vocals, you know, those layered vocals. So with Brandy coming down on Ray J the way she did, I saw it. It was cute to me. I was like, you know, that's that's simply yeah. love. But for real, Ray J, you got to like listen it. because you sounded terrible. Like even, <laughs> and he tried to blame it on holding the kid. And it, it was. The kid, the kid was embarrassed. The kid, the kid was, was embarrassed. Like, don't, don't show my yeah, face on here. Like what? Come on. Come on. <laughs> I mean, the thing about, I mean, it is Ray J. Like Ray J is. He don't care. Like, he, he's, he's who he is. Like he was at the award <laughs> show eating a cup of noodles like in the aisle. He was. So it's like. Listen, he's always <laughs> yeah. going to be one of the most visible people in entertainment yeah. whether you like him or not now i've been to yeah. a, a lot of live shows so i know how long those productions could be so i thought it was genius yeah. when he pulled up that cup yeah. of noodles like you see people with snacks yeah. because i've been hungry before i still got <laughs> beef with stevie wonder one, one time from the bet honors he performed he the same song for about 30 minutes because he wanted to keep starting over I, all I want to do is get a cup of noodles myself, sir. So I, yeah. I'm not mad at Ray J for that. We were all hungry the last 30 minutes of the show. Everybody you was starving. It was just like, look, like we we ready to, ready to get up out of here. So that's that's the way it is. And speaking of Brandy in the show, like uh, when Zach Harlow brought her out, it was it was hilarious because I mentioned it on uh, Twitter and Instagram because I did Brandy's um, daughter's uh, a Siraz yep. party a couple weeks ago. And with that, I remember I was uh, just playing when I played, and Brandy came up to me and was like, I put on Jack Harlow first class and she kind of like giggled and it didn't even hit me right away. I'm like, I guess, you know, Jack Harlow and I played it and I'm like, oh, that's the song that she just that's, like, yeah, low key dissed him Listen, back to. So, and I'm still yeah. mad at you because you didn't get a picture with my girl at the party, but that's okay. Everybody who I'm in love with Sonya Norwood. Um, I didn't, I didn't like one of the, I was kicking, big kicking it though, but yeah, she worked hard. That lady worked hard. And I think yeah. I, like after that performance at BET, I'm still like, yeah. oh, this whole Jack Harlow didn't know Brandy was Ray J's brother, all that. That's it's all publicity. Like that was all planned for her to come out like that. I'm not mad you at think it. So? I think you it think was so? planned. At this point, yeah, it was planned. Because okay. Sonya Norwood, she don't play no game. She ain't no dummy. It was all planned yeah. for her to come out at that moment. And I love the fact that they did it that way. I mean, I'm not a fan of yeah. the Jack Harlow person. I I'm still got beef with him even being on the stage. Um, cause oh. Victoria Monet was outside, yeah. you know, performing her ass off. Uh, she should have been is, in the show, yeah. but Victoria should have been in yeah, there. She should have been in there, yeah. but Sonya Norwood, she put that together and they planned that whole, that whole publicity thing. Like, uh, what? He don't know who Brandy is for her to come out, which is probably why she asked you to play the song. And she giggled because yeah. she was yeah. like, he don't know what we yeah. got up our sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, like okay, that. okay. So, yeah. I, I, but I love, yeah. I love the moment. I love the fact that Brandy is still doing her thing and she can still garner that type of reaction from an audience just by her coming out yeah. and Seriously. rapping. 
Like, yeah, she did some riffs rapping, and runs yeah, she did, singing, but she yeah. was rapping. And I'm just going to leave it with this. I think our boy, we owe Music Soul Child an apology because when back in the day when he was one of the first ones who was like, I'm a singer, but let me try to rap. Uh, we weren't listening to music. Nobody wanted to hear yeah, it. But now everybody yeah. wanted to hear the singers that rap. He was a little, he was a little bit too he early, I a, think. Uh, I mean, and, and plus he announced that he was rapping. You just got to yeah, rap. You, got, you just got to do it. Brandy didn't say, oh, I'm about to come yeah. out with a rap. She giggled. She asked you to play the song yeah. and she giggled. Music should have yeah. just giggled. That's it. Just giggle. Seriously, though. That's what, that's what should have happened to me. So... But salute to everybody who performed, who rocked the show itself. It was definitely a very good, entertaining show to me. It was, whole. it so, was, um, it was yeah. okay. Uh, I'm gonna bring this up real quick. The yeah. Puffy tribute. Oh, the tribute. We need yeah. a redo. Yeah. We need a redo. It it wasn't good. Hmm. We need a redo. Like really, really. All those people that Puff has worked with, we should have had Gina Thompson come out with the things you do remix. We should have had Black Rock. Mm. Well, my bad. We should have had. Ah, come on. Like yeah. <laughs> we should have had all of Bad you Boy. You meant G Dep. You meant G Dep. That's, that's what, what I meant. G Dep. Yeah, we should have had yeah. all of them on the stage. Like you had Faith Evans there, and she didn't do any of her solo songs. You had One Twelve there; they didn't do any of their solo mm. songs. The song you had Mary J. Blige do was "I'm Going was not Down." Connected, not was like, not connected to him. Yeah, I mean, it was like he he was he pro produced the album. You know, me and you talk about Puffy's production a lot, but it it was almost like Lil Kim came out um, trying to dance but missing her cue to start the song. So it was just a little all over the place. I think he deserved yeah. a better tribute because I the beef it. that yeah. people have with Puffy, I still think he is one of the last record men. You know, I think of record men. I'm thinking of people like Isaac Hayes, Clarence Savant. I'm thinking of people who have fostered black music and black culture as a result. And that's what Puffy did. And I, I don't I don't feel like the tribute was, was great um, at all. Mm. The locks, you know, eh, like, it just could have been a bit out, better. Yeah. It could have been a bit better in my eyes. So. I feel, yeah, I feel like, I mean, maybe just being in there, I feel like we're just so hyped to see everybody, especially Shine, seeing how Shine fits Yo, the lyrics to the song. And Shine, that was my really, favorite yeah. part of the night was Shine, actually, yeah. because first of all, Shine came out there in a tuxedo because now he he is in politics. Yeah. Like He ain't playing games with yeah. nobody, nobody else. But he came out there, he did his thing, and it was smooth, yeah. it was seamless. Everybody else seemed just a little disjointed. And I'm I'm gonna bring yeah. that back. I'm still mad. Faith Evans. We got one of the best vocalists from the '90s, and we don't have her do a yeah. solo song. And she was the first lady of Bad Boy, the record label that you started. Why she can't do like we could have got something. You get like no love, or... like anything, yeah. like love like this. Like I you should have had like Fat Man Scoop come out. It. Like you should have had a whole bunch. It should have been a big production, yeah. and it wasn't. So I'm just a little disappointed yeah. in that. Yeah, I get it. And I mean, of course, we would have all loved Mace, but at this point, that was not going to happen. That I mean, yeah, happen, Mace wasn't coming out there. But look, yeah. the lady just said, we got KC and Mary on the same stage. Now, notice how Jodeci yeah. ran their ass off the stage when the Queen stepped on, because they, you know, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's still a restraining order in place somewhere. <laughs> but I 30 love... 30 feet, probably. Thir yeah. yeah, 30 feet. And she wasn't playing no games. Yeah. You saw how she told the people to back it up when they when their teleprompter went too fast. So Mary was yeah. on one that night. So KC was probably yeah. like, let me leave this alone. Jodeci, yeah. I'm still mad it's only three of them. I don't... 
It looked weird when every single group is not like the, the right number. Yeah. Just find a light skinned dude with an S curl or something. Throw him in there, give him some green contact. Do what Drew Hill did. You know, Drew Hill took a whole other group. Or something. And they put it yeah. like what they took player, half yeah. a player. Player. And was yeah. just like, oh, yeah. y'all in the group now. Like, do that. Find truth. Find truth. Find uh, Yo, you know, somebody. Go get yeah. uh, Michael from Boys to Men. Like, go get somebody. Like, <laughs> no you know, go get you. Yeah. Go, go get anybody. Just they ain't got to sing live. Just go find there. go find Montico from uh, <laughs> Immature. Is it me? He, it, <laughs> he looked the same. He had the little S curl, everything on deck. So yeah, they could have they could have found some somebody. Like that. But it was so, yeah. I mean it was it was nostalgic. So I will say I did love that. But I just thought yeah. we deserved a little bit more, man. Puff is his influence on black music is a lasting one. So I I just expected more. But then again, the yeah. tributes that they do lately, artists have been doing their own tributes, sorta. So I get That's it true. because yeah. it's like, who's going to fill their shoes? Like, who who's going to get on stage and sing a tribute to Mary J. Blige or sing a tribute to Faith Evans? Who will do it yeah. justice? Yeah. Like, who's going to get up there and do something for Puff? Puff should have just had everybody from Bad Boy out there. I still say that. Like, I'm, I mean, I, I understand why. Where was Total? Where was Total? Total? Ooh. I know Keisha Epps I mean, was home with yeah. Mike looking fine and she want to look because that's what she do. <laughs> but Kima and yeah. Pam ain't doing nothing. Easy. They could have been on that stage. They was watching it, probably watching it on, on the uh, BT Plus app. <laughs> See, and all that, I so. don't want to get us cut yeah. off, so I ain't going to say where Pam was watching <laughs> it at. But we can move on. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, hey, so, I mean, I will say the, I mean, the bad boy uh, concert, that was four years ago now, five years ago, whatever it was. That was the reunion. Definitely, yeah. Like, the reunion tour. You wanted, the reunion tour you wanted again, that because yeah. I think that was shortly before the pandemic started, but I wanted that experience. What was that? I can't get my, I feel like it was around 2018, maybe 2017. But maybe 17. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, that's when the Bad Boy reunion tour happened. Um, and that should have yeah. happened. Like, I love Puff for everything he's done for Mary because he, you know, is very instrumental in her career. But Mary was never on Bad Boy. So. Let's yeah. bring out people who were actually on Bad Boy. And if not, That's bring real. out, like, Mary should have sang the Love No Limit remix or something, the Real Love remix. Do a tribute to something Big. Something that connected something to, that connected. to actual Like, you Bad know, put Boy. Big yeah. in there, but it didn't happen like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I ain't trying to, you know, change anybody's opinion and make it seem like I'm a hater. I'm a hater sometimes, but I ain't hating right now. I'm being honest. Shit. I mean, you being critical of me. Yeah. I, I respect that all day. I get it. I get it. So... Yeah, so let, let's go ahead and get into that Rewind segment. Speaking of uh, artists from the past, so for everybody who's tuned in, we have the Rewind segment every episode where we highlight artists from the past who made impact. They may be unsung. They may be uh, still here with us. They may not be, but either way, we'd like to highlight them and give them their flowers uh, and just do. So for this episode, EB, who do you want to highlight for your uh, Rewind? All right, so a lot of people don't give my girl respect, but Sherelle, one of my mm. favorite R&B artists of all time. And I think we've talked a little bit about Alexander O'Neill on the show before. Oh, for but sure. never yeah. Sherelle. And everything about her, I love. Her real name is Cheryl Ann Norton. And the reason oh, she, she goes by... it a little bit. The reason she go by Sherelle, okay. though, is because she was, like, late to work or fucked up on something. And <laughs> her boss yelled out, Cheryl. Like, you know, like you yelling somebody's name yeah. and you, you chop it up. And she was like, Look oh, okay, well, I'm going to go with Sherelle. Um... So we first met her. That's a black, that's a black one to re remix Listen, your name, come too. on. And it sounds yeah. like somebody's real name. Everybody got Aunt Sherelle somewhere. But, yeah. you know, she got signature hits. I mean, she got I Didn't Mean to Turn You On, Everything I Miss at Home, Fragile. And then she got the hits with Alexander O'Neill, Saturday Love, yeah, and Never Knew Love Like This, and even Everything I Miss at Home. But she is one of uh, 
the unsung singers from the 80s who actually was doing her thing. She began her career working with Norman Connors and Michael Henderson, and mm -hmm. then she started touring with Luther Vandross. And, you know, Luther only picked the best singers to tour with him. And if you know anything oh, about easy. Norman Connors, you know, he's the reason that we know singers, like legendary vocalists like Phyllis Hyman, Gene Carn, Glenn Jones, Miss Adaretha. Mm -hmm. Like, Norman only picked the best of the best, too. So she signed yeah. with Taboo in 83 after uh, Clarence Avant, the president, heard her demo, and she released her first album, Fragile, in 84. Fragile is one of my all-time favorite debut albums, and I'll say it, even the majority of it is produced by Jam and Lewis, so you got Monty Moyer mm -hmm. on it as well, but it's some of Jam and Lewis's best work. Um, songs yeah. like When You Look In My Eyes, and even the title track, Fragile, I play that all the time. I do the rap and everything. You know, this like she was really she was tuned in. Uh, her second album came in 85 called High Priority. And that's probably the one people know most about. That's the one that had mm -hmm. Saturday Love on it. But it also had a, a, a slow jam called Will You Satisfy, which is now 85. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. She was Man. she was she was yeah. literally the early to mid 80s. And she ran yeah. all the way through the 80s. Um, her third album was Affair. And that was a great album. That was 88. It was a concept album about mm -hmm. a, a, an affair, like two friends who started an affair. Uh -huh. And they only did that because Alexander's Alexander O'Neill album Hearsay came out the year before. And that album was a concept album as well. So they were like, well, fuck it. Let's run with the concept theme. And yeah. I, I think it was great. Like Alexander was on, on that album too, on everything I miss at home and keep it inside. But that was mm -hmm. the last um, album that she did with Jam and Lewis. And I think that album really set mm. Jam and Lewis up to do Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album. Like if you listen yeah. to that album and then Sonically, listen to, yeah, I can yeah hear you listen to that album and then listen to Rhythm, Rhythm Nation, you can hear what Jam and Lewis were going for. And you can hear the evolution of their sound. Um, she had two more albums without Jam and Lewis, 1991. She had The Woman I Am. And in 1999, she had an album called The Right Time. They were both nice albums. But I still think Sherelle doesn't get the respect that she's due because she came through like at, in the 80s and she was a hot girl. Like she was beautiful. She had Robert Palmer remaking her songs like Jam and Lewis. So I got to give a shout out to my girl Sherelle, wherever she is. I know she was like a Christian now and super religious. So I'm not sure okay. if she's going to be okay. tuned in or if she's like even playing with worldly or secular music anymore. But shout out to Sherelle. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I feel like she's one of those artists that we always talk about because they always highlight them on unsung, especially. And it feels like a lot of artists from that mid late eighties, once the new Jack swing came, once the hip hop came and R and B just had to, you either had to go adult contemporary or you had to go younger. That's it. It was a hard divide. Yep. So a lot of them just kind of a couple tried to experiment with the hip hop sound and it worked for some. For some for of, others. Them, and, of them. Yeah. And with her, it felt like she went more the adult contemporary route from what I remember. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm not sure if she even had, did she even have a strong like concert type run or even like, will you see her at, at the jazz festival type events? Yeah, no, nah, I don't like, think she was performing like that. I, yeah. I know that, you know, she got her start performing live for people or performing live period. But I don't remember like Sherelle tours because she could have been doing yeah. like smaller city tours that I'm just not aware of, but I don't remember her touring like that. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Okay. Definitely salute to uh, Sherelle, as we say, just like somebody's Sherelle. Auntie, so. Yeah, yeah. So for my uh, my pick for this episode, got to do it for Reggie Andrews. Rest in peace. We actually just lost him last week. Uh, lost him to a stroke. So with Reggie mm -hmm. Andrews, 
he was a jazz musician. So initially he came, came out in the 1960s, late sixties. He had a group back then, um, called Reggie Andrews and the fellowship. They had a one, one kind of like moderate hit called uh, mystic beauty. And with Reggie, he's one of those who came from that jazz era that once the funk sound came, he hopped right in there and he had that background. He had the musicianship and the knowledge for it. So he was a heavy force in that era. So I would say the biggest song that he's known for is definitely uh, Let It Whip. He produced that for uh, Daz Band. He yep. wrote that and produced that with uh, Ndugu Chancellor. So um, with that, kind of set him up for for, uh, for life, really. But he worked with a lot of different artists. He had, he had a um, band called um, Karma, but he also worked for people like, of course, Patrice Russian. So with him being, um, being based in L.A., he actually ended up being the uh, band director for uh, Locke High School. And Lock High has, like, I would say the strongest musical program on the whole West Coast, probably top five in the whole nation, if not higher. So that put out Tyrese, that put out Patrice Russian. He helped with Farside and Terrence Martin. He actually recruited Terrence Martin from uh, the Crenshaw area, which is probably 20 minutes from Watts. And Locke is in Watts. So he basically told Terrence's mom, like, look, I need you, I need uh, him to come with me. So you have to figure out how to get him to school all the way in Watts, which is a whole different area from where he grew up at. But it worked out, and Terry said that Reggie's the reason that he's, uh, you know, his career is uh, where it is at this point. So, wow. but Reggie, he was definitely one of those who had that jazz background, so you could hear it in the music. With with uh, Patrice, he produced a lot of Patrice's music. So, you know, haven't you heard that Kirk Franklin ended up using for uh, one of his songs, um, "Looking for You," uh, uh, "Searching for You," you know? Of course, didn't you know? Giving giving it up is giving up. Reggie mm. produced those for Patrice, so he's one of those who had. You might not know his name directly, but when it comes to his overall resume and credits, you know, it's a huge impact. So, uh, unfortunately, we lost him last week. He was, I would say, mid 70s. He was about 74, 75, but definitely came from just that that strong legacy that came in the 70s LA. So, Byron Miller, the bass player, and Dougal Chancellor. George Duke came down from the Bay Area. So, Gerald Albright, they all came from that same exact pocket, Patrice Russian. So, Definitely had a huge impact, I would say. Like real musicianship. And his impact yeah. is crazy. Like you wrote and produced the uh, Daz Band's Let It Whip. And I do think Skip Yarbrough had won a Grammy for that song. That's the lead vocalist from the Gap. I mean, sorry, I about to say the Gap Band, the Daz Band. Daz Band. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think he won a Grammy for that. But for you to do that, and I think that was yeah. 1982, maybe 83, but I think it was 82. For you to do yeah. that. And then be so influential at, that Terrace Martin names you as one of yeah. the reasons that he is as successful. That's like that cross generational thing. It's cross genre, yeah, you know, him coming from jazz and then slipping into funk and then R and B. But th the fact that he had uh, that influence on Terrace shows you that he never left those jazz roots, though. And I love yeah, that. I think real, with real. black music, jazz gets left out of the conversation so much these days. Like. I, I appreciate and I hate that we lost uh, Reggie so soon um, without him receiving his flowers, but I do appreciate yeah. um, the mark that he left on music today. For sure, for sure. Rest in peace to Reggie Andrews. Yeah. And as you said, I think um, the thing about jazz is, is one of those things that when you're a jazz pianist especially, you can play anything, I feel like, because a, uh, a lot of composers came from that same type of uh, school. I feel like yep. if you can do – Jazz piano, you can go R&B, funk, hip-hop, folk, so whatever it is, really. So uh, much respect to all the jazz pianists and just jazz musicians out there, for sure. So to keep it moving, let's get into our fast-forward segment. So our fast-forward segment, we like to highlight artists who are on the rise, artists, producers, groups, whatever it may be, who 
are slowly making an impact, and we feel like they'll have some longevity in the game. So yep. for this episode, who would you like to highlight? All right, so I'm really excited about this one. Um, her name is Rhea Boss, and okay. she is actually from Ghana. You know, I stayed okay, okay. over the Atlantic because the motherland. I think, yeah, listen, yeah, that's where the yeah. talent is. But her real name, and I yeah. hope I'm pronouncing it right, is Maria Bossman Damiba. But okay. she's fucking amazing. She is a young woman, and everything about her music is what I'm typically looking for when I'm listening to new music. Like you can listen to her hmm. music, and you'll hear influences from like Erica Badu and D'Angelo and Lauren Hill. And then vocally, I think she has such a powerful voice that you might hear like a little Jill Scott, a little Nina Simone, maybe some Ella Fitzgerald, like because that. I think it's so pure. Um, and listening to her albums or listening to her EPs and then her album, I'm like, where's your accent? Like even oh, she hides it, it, okay. like even on her album when she will have other African or people from Ghana, Ghanaian uh, rappers, you can hear their accents, but you don't necessarily sure. hear hers. In 2018, she actually released an 11 series EP. So for 11 weeks straight, she was releasing an EP 11. of four to six songs and Ooh. just just amazing. I didn't hear about her until this year when she released her debut album. Um, it's called Remember. And, well, I'm sorry. It's it's called um, Remember. Yeah, that's what actually when I heard yeah. about her. Man, she recorded this entire album singing live. And we, we just were talking about really? singers being able yeah. to sing live. She recorded, Which we need. Yeah, yeah, she recorded the entire thing live um, with the Musical Lunatics, another Ghanaian band backing her. She wrote every song and her voice is so smoky, it's sultry. At times, it's just like very delicate. I think that she encompasses what an artist should be. Um, and yeah. she explores everything from the album, from romance to love and sex and grief and just like personal growth. So people should check her out if you are into Jasmine Sullivan. Ooh, okay, because she okay. vocally, you say I'm not saying yeah, she don't, I'm not saying yeah. she sounds just yeah. like Jasmine, but vocally, yeah. the girl got chops. Like she can do her thing. So check her out. The first song I heard was a song called Somali Rose. If you trying to get intimate in the bedroom with somebody, put on Somali mm. Rose. I'm trying to tell y'all. So check Rhea Boss out. She young. Her debut album just came yeah. out this year. Support her. Let's make this girl a household name because she's doing her thing. How do you spell her name again? So everybody her name is spelled actually, uh, R I A and then boss B O S S. There we go. There we go with that. I'm definitely trying to check that out because uh, Ghana is the first place I ever went internationally and going out there, it was right when Afro beast was really blowing up in Africa, but I didn't know about it too much in, in America. I heard mm -hmm. the name before, but even beyond the Afro beast, I realized they had a lot of different uh, artists out there who had different influences. They had some who had, more of an American soul influence. They had hip hop. They had what's called hip life out there. Yep. So they had different types of uh, styles out there. So it's always interesting to see, like, you know, what they what they pick up on. Because, like, when you mentioned that she doesn't have an accent, on the flip side, Tim's is Nigeria. And you hear it. Even just in her, even the way that she even, pronounces, yes. like, you don't, 
You don't need no yes. other body. Yes. That's, that's a Nigerian way of saying something for real. So, yeah, so yeah, it's always kind of fascinating both. seeing I love them both. Yeah. I think Africa, for sure. the placement of the continent. First of all, people forget Africa is an, an entire continent. So it's each continent. country yeah. will have yeah. a different sound or influence. Number one, depending on who had rule over the country. Or number two, just mm, depending that's, on that's what about. they're listening yeah. to. So they're getting influences yeah. from England. They're getting influences from the West Indies sometimes. And they're getting influences from America. But it's not just... Just yeah. that they're getting influences. It's Africa. It's the mother of civilization. They are the yeah. influence. So they're fusing everything and they're making it amazing. So shout out to all, especially Tim's, but shout yeah. out to all the artists coming out of the continent, not the country, y'all. The continent. It's the continent, it's, yeah. it's big, it's varied. So check them all out. But Rhea Boss is the fast yeah. forward. She's amazing. If you like live music, Jasmine Sullivan, D'Angelo, Neo Soul. If you like vocals. Live music, yeah. check Rhea Boss out. Oh, we need that. We need that. I'm checking her out today for yeah. sure. My pick for this episode is Dochi. So <laughs> Dochi is a rapper, yeah. So she she's young, young. She's about twenty two. So it's it's crazy that I the younger, you know, I said the older that we get, the older <laughs> that we get, the younger the industry gets. Because I mean technically we grew up listening to artists who are in their early twenties and teens, even in the nineties, but yeah. it still sounds wild when you hear somebody say yeah, when I was in third and fourth grade, uh, I was li listening to Nicki Minaj and this and that because it's like, <laughs> whoa, third and fourth. But with her, her whole story, she actually said that she was in like elementary, middle school, and and she actually didn't like Nicki Minaj because she was one of those young, young woke, almost like a, a baby hotep type who she thought Nicki was like Illuminati. She said like a baby then, hotep. <laughs> like all of her friends were talking about Nicki Minaj, and she was just being probably um, antagonist for no reason, you know, just trying to be contrarian, but. Next thing you know, she ended up loving Nikki. And when you hear her, she is a straight Nikki uh, disciple. And it's crazy that mm. Nikki, even though she's really one of, she seems recent, but Nikki's really been here for 13, Nikki 14 years now. Nikki is a veteran so at this point, yeah. She's a veteran, so she has a lot of artists now who really come up come up under her influence. And you know me, I love me some Nicki Minaj. You know, I love, I love Nicki. <laughs> we, anyway. we both, the whole show, we, <laughs> we love, love Nicki Minaj. Come on, y'all. We love us some Nicki, of course. Shout out <laughs> so to the that, like. Yeah, my, my barbs in the building. That's that's the fam. But with, with Doshi, the first thing I heard from her was really a couple years ago. She had something that was a random name. That's that's really why I watched because it was called the Yucky Bucky Fruitcake Freestyle. And I'm like, this is so weird. What is this nonsense? And I'm watching, and I'm like, <laughs> at first you know me, it's like, oh, she a Nikki clone. But the more she's rapping, I'm like, she actually got something going here. And then halfway th through the song. It switches up and it comes on with a real smooth, jazzy, like a 90s type of East Coast beat. And it's like, I'm like, this is actually fire. So I was kind of hooked since then. So so though she's really been around, I would say that that blew her up about two years ago. But since then, I know she has a uh, EP type project called uh, All the Places You'll Go. She dropped that about two years ago as well. But uh, her hit right now is called Persuasive. She rocked the BET Awards doing yep. that. She even performed Friday at the uh, concert. I'm like, that's really, uh, we're going to get into it a little bit later, but... That's probably my favorite current house type sounding song. Like mm -hmm. that song is fire right there. Persuasive is one of those where she's rapping to it, but it it even has a little bit of Estelle. Shout out to the homegirl Estelle. It has a little bit of an Estelle influence with the flow. It kind of reminds me of American Boy at, at certain parts of it, but it has a real solid kind of a house beat. But it's it's a very dope song. It it, it feels uh, fast forward moving, I would say. So Dochi is definitely uh, we waiting for her album right now. Shout out to her DJ, uh, DJ Miss Milan as well. She's from New York, but okay. she's representing Tampa, Florida at that, and she she got some heat. 
No, I loved her at the BET Awards. I and I think if I can remember correctly, they cut her off early or from the TV broadcast, mm. so we didn't see the the okay. whole performance. But she was yeah. amazing. Like I'd never heard of her before. Last well, was that two days ago? Now two days ago. A couple days ago. Yeah. 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 Um, but now I'm definitely sold on it, and I, I'm waiting for more. I want more because it's it's rare that we see women in hip hop who come out and rock it. Like you know. With hip hop, there always is like one or two at a time. It's like we can't let too many yeah. women yeah, rap at the like same that. time. I hate that. But it's now, changing now. It's changing think, because yeah. there's so many on the scene now. So shout out. What's, how you pronounce yeah. it? Dolce? Dolce. Dolce. D-O-E-C-H-I-I. Dolce. Shout yep. out to her. Dolce's holding it down. So we're going to take a quick 30-second break, you know, because I had to change my little camera angle. So <laughs> let me plug in my power cable. I, didn't, I forgot to plug the power in. But we'll be right back. So this is Behind the Wheels. EB, let them know real quick where they can find us at. Give them some quick background about the last couple of um, seasons that we've been running on here and where they find us at. Yo, so listen, we this is our second season. We're ending our second season with this live show. But you can find us on Apple Music. You can find us on Spotify. Please, please subscribe, rate us. You know, Artistic and I are both music heads, and we have been cooking this idea for a minute, and we're just so excited to share it with everybody. Um he is, as you all should know right now, he's like an international party rocker. Like he does everything. And not only that, he's so knowledgeable about music. So his knowledge, my knowledge, his blackness, my blackness, you got behind the wheels. Check us out. Yeah. Rate, subscribe, like, tell a friend to tell a friend and tell her friends sure. and then tell his friends. And then maybe all we can them. all be friends. So, you know. Don't tell your friends, aunties. Tell, tell, the, tell cousins, the aunties. Tell the, he like the aunties. Yeah. I like the uncles. Listen, this is go. a this yeah. is a pro everything <laughs> show. So you know it. You know. I hope my boo ain't listening. But um, if you got any uncles, send them my way. If you got any aunties, send them his way. And y'all keep hey. listening. That's what it's about. With that, <laughs> this is behind the wheels, and you know we have, as we said, two seasons. This is the uh, finale for season two but we do have the uh, episodes to listen to on apple and spotify podcast please rate and review us into it it's time for the drop segment so every episode we have the drop which is our main topic for the day so for this episode let's highlight what everybody's been talking about and um just to kind of give some quick background on it uh, I'm, I'm like how should we even jump into it i'll just say every everybody's been talking about this house movement that's been happening kind of a a resurgence of house and from what i see is basically uh, us as black folks kind of taking it back and reclaiming it I'll say um, just to be all the way transparent. So I'm born and raised L.A. I'm born in the nine, not nineties, born in the eighties. I'm, I'm kind of an old, a young old head. So I'm he old as fuck. I'm old as fuck. Now I am. You know, I own it. I own it. So growing up in L.A., there was no YouTube, there was no Wikipedia. So in the early mid nineties, I remember hearing house music, and to me, I had no idea that it was even a black uh, genre. Yeah. Like I remember those songs from C.C. Peniston. I remember the Finally. I remember the Crystal Waters. I really don't remember, crazy enough, I heard the In Living single parody of a Gypsy oh. Woman before I heard the Ken original Wayans. Crystal. Yeah, yeah, Ken Wayans. 
I remember hearing that. So even even uh, it took me years to actually hear the original uh, uh, version of you know Gypsy Woman. But I remember a hundred percent pure love because I started listening to uh, you know watching BET around ninety three. You know, a hundred percent pure love was a huge hit back then. So. Even with the black artists doing it, I remember, of course, Heavy D had the Nada We Found Love. That was a big hit back then, but I still didn't realize that it was a black genre because at the same time, the biggest songs were like, who remembers that? Don't want no tiny, whiny, eeny, weeny, little bit of short, <laughs> short man. Yeah. Like, most of the house music back then, and you know, there was more so the whites and the Mexicans. And when it came to like the um, radio stations here, it was more so techno. So even with that, whenever a lot of my friends and cousins and whoever it was heard house or anything close to house we just called it all techno because mm. power 106 would always play what was the fast electronic music and it, it didn't connect to us it was right. just like that's techno music it took me really getting into uh being at famu and really becoming a dj to realize that house came from chicago and if and if not chicago new york a lot of times i've heard them debated i've heard the debates even with Detroit. Of course, I know that techno came from Detroit. And mm -hmm. the origins, a lot of times, it feels like Chicago and Detroit have a lot of parallels when it comes to their uh, right music. There. Yeah. Uh, along with New York and Jersey, because a lot of the music, even when I learned about House being from Chicago and from, uh, you know, a lot of it coming from the East Coast and Northeast, Midwest, mm -hmm. I still didn't know what came from where. So I realized that certain songs did come from, from Chicago. Of course, Percolator is Chicago, but then my Baltimore and Jersey folks kind of have kind of a ownership of that style, as well because yeah. they have a, a different dance to it. And then with songs like Follow Me from Ali Us, yep. I always thought that that was Chicago, but then that ends up being East Coast. And then Crystal Waters was from Jersey. So all that to say, a lot of, I think a lot of younger black folks still don't realize that house came from us. So when we hear it, it doesn't uh, always directly identify with us. And a lot of times it's, it's really identified the most with recently the EDM movement. We right. have the electronic dance movement and uh, along with like the big room house. And that's what was really dominant around 09 and 2010 when you had, at that point, the R&B artists basically had to make an EDM song just to have a hit national record. So you had uh, Usher doing the OMG, you had the Chris Brown, yeah, 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 the, the uh, Rihanna, We Found Love, Neo had the uh, Closer, Beyonce had the Sweet Dreams. It was where every R&B artist in that period had to make an EDM song because that's what was going on worldwide. and. We kind of identify that with being, you know, being more so uh, a European thing. But for you being from the South, but then going to Howard and you kind of identifying Northeast, but still the South, like how that house kind of formulate with you? Listen, it's totally different. And I'm glad that our experiences are so different. Um, house music was started in Chicago yeah. by black gay men. And it's uh, hmm. basically an offshoot or a child of disco music. Um, it's it's like church, like the beautiful thing about the differences between you and I is like yeah. growing up in South Carolina, I would hear house every now and then, but it was when mm. I moved to DC when I was legal and started going to clubs. Like I would go to gay clubs now yeah. for straight people, depending That's on what city too. you were in. Yeah. I don't think the experience was the same. Like if you were in maybe Jersey or in Chicago, you probably did hear some house when you went out, but yeah. When I first started going to gay clubs, we would always have a hip hop side of the club and a house side. Like those were two dominant genres. Oh, wow. So I got introduced to really introduce the house that then when I was legal and you'd see people putting baby powder on the floor and <laughs> leaving it all like sweating. And, you know, yeah. it was a whole bunch of black gay men or I, I must be um, politically correct. Black LGBT plus people just it's like church. 
You know, it's like yeah. disco when black men were shunned or black gay men were shunned from the church and they couldn't find it anywhere. You know, that's when we got disco music. So for house music to come through and you got all these powerful vocalists over these strong ass mm. beats, it was amazing. And I'm still not the biggest house music fan in the world, depending on who's yeah. singing it, because I'm a vocal guy. I listen to vocals first, but mm. It's black Understood. and it's gay. That's why people like Tamia and Deborah Cox and CC Peniston have been able to sustain these long ass 20, 30 year careers performing at gay pride every year <laughs> because it, it is a black gay genre. And I, I think we call it a resurgence now, but for a lot of black gay men, it's a whole subculture that never stopped listening to house. Like the last yeah. time I went to a club, which was maybe 2018, 2017. You ain't been, you've been out the game. For I've been out the game. Yeah, but yeah. it was like we, it was house playing. Like, you know, house music was yeah. playing. And I guarantee right now, if I was to go to any gay club around any America, any part of America, I'm going to hear some form of house. So I got to give a shout out to not only like the CC Pennisons or um, who, who, Robin S. No, Rob, uh, like yeah. Robin S. A diva, like Martha Wash, like uh, maybe even Jocelyn Brown, like all of these black vocalists who have been doing their thing. Um, House yeah. music is black, it's gay, but it it's not new. And I think a lot of people are hearing it as new or they have associated it with like a white sound, like an EDM or electronic sound. When that's not entirely true, it just wasn't what everybody was hearing. My experience as a black gay man may have been different from yours as a straight man or even yeah. a straight woman who was going to the club. Like I've been to a lot of straight clubs. I ain't never heard no house music. Like I know they ain't have no house music playing or I know mm. there wasn't a total different room or side of the club dedicated to house. Like it's always been for all the gay clubs. And then you see the voguing and uh, you know, it's just yeah. like, it, it's, it's, it's a religious experience is what house music is. And it should, it should be treated as, and I'm, I'm glad that people like Drake and Beyonce or, um, sparking this interest. I hope it sparks enough interest to go back to the source and start listening to some of these club, like these classic house records. Class. Yeah. I, I think yeah. Drake's album is okay. I think it'd be a great album <laughs> for somebody else who could really sing it. I love the fact that both he that's and what, he, I've said it. It sounds like reference tracks. Yeah. It sounds it, like it, he's putting good reference tracks up for somebody else to come in like Listen, murder. I said it. House yeah. is a, a religious experience. It's the feeling. I think there are two things that go in not only to being a vocalist but also like for house music yeah you got to have a vocal ability but you have to have the ability to emote and go there and drake just doesn't mm. have that so that's mm. where it's different for beyonce because she does have that and shout out to the beehive we love beyonce on the show too but oh, of course even then yeah. it sounds like a lazy thing it's like you're not really giving what i want but it's just enough so people love it and I'm glad people love it. But listen, go back yeah. and listen to people like Adiba. Go back and listen to people like Crystal Waters, Robin S, Martha Watch, I've named them Jocelyn Brown. Go back and listen. Yeah. Let that be the door to education for house music. Don't don't stop with Drake and Beyonce, please. Don't stop there. Yeah. Go back and listen to like, you know, Larry Levine at the Paradise Garage, like, you know, the the father of house music. Like Go back and listen to some of these broadcasts and some of these artists who have just been amazing. And it's always y'all DJs. Y'all DJs really push the culture. Y'all don't 
y'all don't yeah. really get the respect y'all want, but it's people like Larry Levine, you know, people like Frankie Knuckles that Frankie have Knuckles, been of course, yeah. At, like they just been working at it. Same with disco. Like if it wasn't for DJs, we wouldn't know any we wouldn't know. Same with hip hop. Like if it wasn't for DJs stepping in and doing their thing. So shout out to all the DJs, especially the house DJs who have kept this genre alive. Shout out to all the black gay men during Gay Pride Month. Shout out to all the black music listeners doing black music month shout out to drake yeah. shout out to beyonce drake, yeah <laughs> like but keep, keep, yeah. keep listening yeah. i feel like um as you said i mean you made a great point i feel like that's one thing i could say too growing up is that i did kind of identify the house with uh with the gay culture so it's yeah something that, as you said i never heard it at any club that was at least not for black clubs no, yeah man. Went to a mixed club that played it might have been hip-hop and house but even then it was like if it was an all-black club uh, you you rarely heard anything close to what house was, but mm -hmm. yeah, like the more I learned about about what it was coming from Chicago, um, one of one of my boys, uh, Evil Ninja, he's actually listening live right now. So he, shout out to he Evil Ninja. Evil Ninja always in the building. He said he Larry Levine planted the seed coming from New York. Frankie yeah. Knuckles was New York. He picked up on it and honed it in Chicago. So to me, I always saw Frankie Knuckles as the as the king of house. So mm -hmm. I was actually in Chicago for my first time DJing in 2014 maybe a week after he passed so it was just crazy timing but with that so yeah my, my first true exposure was fam you i remember getting there and it was where my first time hearing percolator it was like i had never heard anything like it and it's you know when you hear something that's so different but it's like this is actually dope it's just like like am i supposed to like it because it's so much different but it's just like seeing them dance to it it just hits it hits you different and then that's how i learned about what came from that because of course house has sparked so many other genres and subgenres. To me, I yeah. would say, of course, like Chicago Juke, um, the Detroit uh, Ghetto Tech, you know, and then I would even say, of course, Be More Club, which led to Jersey Club. Yeah. That all came from the same, the same source of house. So, and with that, those subgenres definitely appealed to to all the blacks who are, you know, uh, LGBT and um, and regular yeah. hetero, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. You know, like everybody, everybody was actually into that. Yeah, yeah, no, everybody was into that. So it's one yeah. of those things where. And I'm not sure if it's something that can be fixed necessarily, but I think the stigma of it being associated with the LGBT plus people is kind of what kind of made certain black people run from it and white people kind of embrace it. And mm, I think a yeah. lot of times we think when we hear that, like you, you hear it reduced when people like, oh, that. Mm, mm, Mm. And oomps, yeah, that yeah, oomps, oomps. Oomps, it's, oomps. it's not that somebody called her somebody called her Beyonce. I yeah, was like, it's, oh, it's, it's not that at all. Trust me, like, but it, it, yeah. you know, we we always give love to Africa and everything black, but it's tribal. It's the beat. It's like the driving mm. beat of the drum. And then when you add a, a a real singer, like a gospel vocal, a strong vocal, it's a beautiful yeah. art form. It's a beautiful genre. I want us to. Um, go back and study some of the origins, go back and study some of these singers, some of these DJs who have made it possible. So then maybe next summer, I don't know, Michelle Williams might drop a, a house album or somebody mentioned Keisha that, yeah. Cole might drop one or, you know, some, I don't, I mean, I'm naming old people. I don't even know who the young, <laughs> the young I mean, singers Summer are. Walker, well, Summer Linux, Walker, Ari Chloe, Linux. And ha Chloe and Halle could definitely do Chloe, some house. Chloe and Halle. Even like some of their songs already have a slight kind of Kei yeah, Trinata type you, sound. So. And then Kei Trinata to listen, me is like the people like modern Kei Trinata king of it. have yeah. kept it going. There is one song and I, I apologize if I can't get the exact name. Um, yeah. It's called uh, Motivation or Muse or something. I don't know, but it's Kei Trinata and Jasmine Sullivan. No, it's Gold Link, Kei Trinata, Jasmine Sullivan. 
Um, and I, can't, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I can't remember the name. One of his albums. Yeah, yeah. but it, the song, it goes hard. Like, it goes hard. It goes hard. And then you hear Jasmine, like, putting in, like, the shake, shake, shake. Like, and she's, like, from Shake the Devil mm. Off. But she's, like, in the name of dance, shake the nerves off. And it's, like, ma the marriage between gospel music and house or gospel and house and R&B. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I really want us to all go back and listen because it's, it's one of those art forms that, Again, it's black, like all music, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. some of us really held on to it. And I'm not going to say I'm one of those ones who held on all the time. I remember the first time I went to a club and I figured out there's a whole like house side. I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know what that is. I'm from South Carolina. Y'all got rice and beans yeah. in there? Or like, why is everybody, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. But then you realize, yeah. oh, okay. And for me, it, it felt kind of ancestral because it's like, oh, it's black and it's gay. Oh, nigga, I think I'm black mm. and I'm gay. Like, oh, I'm supposed <laughs> to be listening to this, you know, them, but yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. always listening to it all the time. And even back in the 90s, when singers would drop maxi singles, there was always a house remix on. Everything. I remember that, too. Yeah, always a house that, remix. Yeah, that's one thing that confused me, because even um, I was producing back in the mid late 90s as, as a kid. But mm -hmm. I remember even even just buying like different synthesizers and keyboards to make beats. It would, it would say like. Here's the dance yep. uh, instrumentation, the dance sense. And to me, dance, because me growing up on hip-hop, yep. dance was like hip-hop. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, hearing, I'm hearing all like super, what I call techno sounds once again. And yep. I'm like, why is that called dance music? And then it would always be a dance dance remix to every song. It would be Destiny's Child, first album, or it would be a Monica song. And I'm like, at first I'm getting hype on Napster. I'm typing in Napster. Oh, it's a dance remix? So maybe it's like, a, you know, a 100 BPM Nah. I started playing it like I was one of those one thirty. Okay, so it's like so I would say just me being a DJ definitely just kind of opened up my ears to what what house is. So a lot of the Chicago house songs go so hard to me now. A lot of those like the Deep Inside and Man. a lot of other songs that Cashmere has Cash and the uh, uh, was it the what's that Let Me Out Yeah. Brighter Ooh, days, I, listen. I, better days, that man. That I'll song put that on right now, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I done had a couple religious moments to that song. Like just, yeah. oh, I hope I pass this it's class. Good. You know, it's Friday. I know I'm supposed to be studying, but I'm out at the club yeah. and they playing these days, and I'm just looking for. They playing that. I'm yeah. just looking for a brighter day. That's all I'm looking for. Give me that That's A so my mama and daddy don't pull me out. This motherfucker make me move back to South exactly. Carolina. You know, but yeah, it's, it almost it's, happened to me. It's, yeah. 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 <laughs> we got the same experience. It's, but it's, yeah. it's ancestral to us. It's a beautiful black art form. And I want more people to go back, understand the roots of the music, listen to the origins, listen to some of the people I've named and give yeah. them the same amount of listens or spins you're giving Drake and Beyonce. And also yeah. shout out to both Drake and Beyonce for tapping into this uh, genre. For making it happen. And make, like I say, you know, yeah. They're bringing like, you know, this, this, um, I don't know the word. They're, they're just bringing this attention to a genre that has for too long been ignored. Yeah, for sure. And I would say, um, this judging off BT weekend, I DJed a few times and I just went to different parties and I was just really observing close. I was, I was like, I'm gonna play all these uh, the the main, um, you know, Beyonce break my was it break my soul? Um, yep. Then I was like, for for Drake, I'm gonna try Massive. I'm gonna try Sticky. Sticky is more so Jersey Club. But <laughs> I was like, let me just figure out how to get into each song, how, how to transition into it to keep it going because I feel like because for a lot of uh, a lot of black partygoers, they're not used to hearing house, so it's nope. like, how can I trick them into dancing to it? So I would, so for uh, the the first time I played Break My Soul. I think I went from like Truffle Butter. I was like, Truffle Butter was probably the closest to a house sounding hip hop club hit the last 10 years. So I sped that up and I slowed down to break my soul. 
let me just blend it in real smooth and see if they keep dancing. And I'm like, all right, it worked. And it's like, the first night I played it was at the dime the night it came out. Mm-hmm. The response was just kind of blah. It was more guys, though. That's the thing. So even with me hyping it up on the mic, this Beyonce new song, they don't really care. But the yeah. next night, it had been out for just 26 hours, I would say. And the girls already knew all the lyrics. The I whole said, this song. might be a hit. But I, from how I see it, it's not going to work with every black crowd. No. Especially the Drake stuff. I feel like Beyonce's going to work for any... All the women gonna love that because she's Beyonce. So women, even the women who yeah. don't care for Show Me Love, the women who don't care for Crystal Waters are still gonna like it because it's Beyonce. Yep. Where Drake, the Drake fans are gonna like it because it's Drake. When it comes to the hood, cl- hood clubs, if all they want to hear is Money Bag Yo, they not, and listen, if they want to hear Nardo Wick the whole night, that's not gonna work for them hood clubs not and the bottle work. poppers. I don't think so. It's not gonna work. But, but we've been. But they don't have era. to. They don't have to. So, yeah, yeah, we've been in the era of trap music for too long at this point. Like too long. We got yeah. trap yoga, trap brunch, trap karaoke, <laughs> trap Reby yeah. Jackson. It's too much. Trap it's, trap church. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It, everything is trap and. Yeah. It's time for hip hop to evolve a little bit. Like hip hop is still one of the young youngest genres, if not the youngest, um, that I listen yeah. to. And it's time to evolve just a little bit. So I don't think, like you said, the real like people who listen to Drake who are not like Drake fanatics or Beyonce yeah. fanatics, they might not get it. But the people who do, they will get it. I I, I don't know. Beyonce's album comes out what tomorrow or. No, no, it's next month. It's July. Oh, it's July. See, I'm a it's whole July, month. yeah. All right, oh, so yeah. when it come out next yeah. month... I'm, I'm interested to see how it yeah, sounds. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't want her to do House for the whole album. Just like I, Drake's yeah, album sure. could have ended at nine or ten tracks. Like, you know, everybody loves yeah. Massive from that album. But Sticky... Massive is definitely the, the, the best... Both of them kind sticky. of got the best response in different, in different ways. Yeah, Sticky... Yeah. When I first heard Sticky, I was like, no, that's a great song. Like... Um, yeah. Even without the vocals that I'm used to, you know, the, the black women who are singing their hearts out, you know, Cora, I'm sorry about calling her Cora, Tamala Mann, <laughs> you know, you know, that, oh, yeah. that strong voice, we, even without that, I still think it's a great song. Beyonce song, I think it's a great song. I, I want people to go back, listen, as DJs like you, who do what you do and you play something that they're familiar with. And then you usher them into, like I said, DJs drive the culture, y'all. I've been trying to say that DJs drive that. the culture and artistic, of course, one of the best I've seen live, like many times, always, like always an experience, but keep doing that. Like keep introducing them to house through samples or through like interpolations, like keep doing what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Appreciate you for that. Cause um, always. I mean, even, even first season, I, I highlighted uh channel Tress, who's from Compton and, Always kind of joking, call what he has, gangster house. I feel like <laughs> hopefully he can get some shine because I feel like I can see a Snoop or YG on that type of uh, sound because yeah. it's like it's a house drum template, but he had that West Coast bass line with some some sense, some moog sense on it. So I feel like it's it's some space. And I mentioned Dolce earlier. Persuasive is still yep. my favorite modern house song, and even I actually did a Pride event yesterday and I played. Right. Uh, Ember Shelley took the night for maybe two thousand eight. Yeah, I don't know if you're yeah if you so, heard that one. That song used to go to me. This is yeah. another thing. I'm a, this is the last thing I'm going to say. Um, yeah. Azalea Banks. Azalea Banks? Has yeah, been have, doing it, but yeah. I've never listened because I can't get past the social media antics. Like, I, it's, antics, I just can't yeah. get into the music like that because every time I try, I'm thinking about, you know, her doing some dumb shit. But apparently she yeah. had a whole album and, and songs that she, she's been keeping it alive in her own way for her fans. So yeah. I have to give her a shout out, even though I haven't listened to her yet. I might not. It's it's just too much for me. I'm old, but shout out to her too for <laughs> I get it. Yeah. And, and exploring that 
different sound. Maybe it's not different for her. I'm not sure where she's from, but shout out to her for that. She's in New York, but yeah. Oh, okay. Salute to her because she she is like, of course, she's even thrown some shots at Beyonce for, you know, I've been doing it. And it's uh, like, you ain't the, I mean. We know you've been doing it. If you weren't so fucking aggravating, we would listen to you. Excuse my language. But, you know. I mean, it's facts. It's facts. Yeah, it's facts. So, but no, salute to everybody who's doing house. So, we're going to see how it is. I think. It's going to be a house music summary. Even bass is coming back. Uh, the Finally, new Usher and City, City Girls Girl. is about to. Yeah. We need, we need just the upbeat music. I heard the sample, just, and yeah. it was actually. That late and freak it. I yeah. went crazy because I'm going to South Carolina yeah. next month for the month. And I know I'm going to have lots of Friday nights listening to that song with my cousins. Oh, you know because it. That, and when I was in high school, that freak it, that's how you start your Friday night. That was, oh, I know that, was, that was the Friday night pregame. You listen to sne- the freak, and then you got to sneak out the window to get to the party or whatever. But you was listening I, I to get there. Lathan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to this summer. Death to all this slow trap shit. So, yeah. Let's so let's, Yep. So to conclude our show, every episode, we have what's called the beat match. With the beat match, we take two anything, two artists, discographies, two songs, two albums, two decades, whatever it could be, two cities. And me and EB pick sides and we we basically debate each one. We have three minutes to debate. We have two rebuttals. And then uh, typically we have our producers, uh, Naledi and Melissa. They come up with, you know, they, they give us uh, their feedback when they think came out on top in the uh, battle. For everybody who's listening live right now, we're going to let you do it. So if you're on Twitch, put it in the comments. But this is how we're going to do it. Don't just respond when we mention whose side we're taking. Give us a chance to give our arguments on it, you know, so it's not just about what you personally like better, but yeah. more so about whose arguments you feel, you know, is the strongest for it. So with this one, this is how we're going to do it. So um, EB, of course, you mentioned that we uh, that they honored Diddy at the BET Awards. Diddy had a huge impact. 25 years ago, I think that's when Diddy really just blew up. That's, uh, unfortunately, it's the year that, that Biggie passed too. So of course he helped, you know, put out Biggie's two first albums. And to me, that's obviously the, the the best two bad boy albums, obviously. Life After Death and Ready to Die, you know? But beyond that, what would you say are the, what would you say is the best bad boy album aside from that? Especially if you're going back to 97, <laughs> that's 25 years ago. Yep. If you get to pick um, After Life or Death, what album are you picking for, um, you know, when it comes to Bad Boy and Diddy? So people are gonna look at me real crazy when I say this probably. Because I know we typically don't think of Puff as a great artist himself. Like, he's a record man. He's a producer, all this other stuff, and artist himself. But I'm going with um, his album, uh, Puff. Is it Puff Daddy and the Family was the name. Was the, the, they yeah. called it the family. Basically, all the bad boy people, No Way Out. Yeah. I think that's still no the out. greatest um, bad boy album outside of, you know, the, the big albums. albums. Yeah. I mean, I definitely respect it. I mean... I, I still remember it was my birthday back in 97. My cousin bought me the album, but I think my dad kind of saw it. He was like, hold up, uh, parental advisory. So before I could even listen to it, he played the first song, which was Victory. Oh, that's the wrong heard, song. Where the fuck you at? <laughs> he, he took it out. He was like, nope, you can't listen to this. So I'm like, I'm 13 or something, but he ain't care. But anyway, anyway, all that to say, I respect it. I would say that's probably right after my pick, which is Mace Harlem World. Okay. I got a real Harlem world. I mean, it's, it's really neck and neck. They're both the same year. To me, it's almost like a chronic and doggy style, especially because it's the artist yeah. and then, or the producer and then the his main protege. You know, it's kind of a similar parallel. But yep. Either way, I'm going um, Harlem world. So with that, I'll give you i uh, I'll let you go first. Uh, All right. Somebody have to drop the sound effect when it's uh, time to cut, cut either one of us off. But why would you pick 
No Way Out over Harlem World. Let me know. Listen, we just talked about how um, big he left and his absence left this void. And I think No Way Out is like the perfect family album. No pun intended, Puff Daddy and the Family. But to have everybody jump on this one album um, for and it for it to be really fueled by uh, Big's death, I think makes it one of a kind um originally the album was going to have a total different direction like and you can hear that when you hear songs like uh been around the world or um what's the other song on the album um like something like all about the benjamins like you hear that this was going to be a party album um and the original name for the album yeah. was actually Puff Daddy and the Goodfellas because it Goodfellas yeah, yeah mafia, because mafia yeah it was mob mobster yeah. themed because it was a concept album and then it was changed after that to Hell Up in Harlem because of course it's, it's Harlem after Big died he changed the name to No Way Out because he felt there was no way out of what they had gotten into like he was tired of the violence he was tired of the East Coast West Coast stuff and he brought his entire label in to make this masterpiece of an album if you ask me and even though He's not the best rapper on the album, far from it. Actually, I think for these both both of these albums, Puff and Mace are the weakest uh, rappers on the album. But the features and the samples yeah. and the feeling, like everybody know I'll Be Missing You was on TV for like 25 years. Like they, they played that video oh, back, forward, side to side, oh, and maybe even a little diagonal. Like everybody was listening to All About the Benjamins, not cutting it off before Kim's part. Um, DJs, y'all gotta stop uh -huh. doing that. But it it skip was one it, of those things when that album came out, been around the world, like it 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 felt good, and it's like the epitome of shiny suit um, music. It is like you know yeah. we were right in the the shiny ghetto fabulous era, and I think that album is like one that has a special place in time for me. You got Kim and Foxy on the same album. Like, again, yeah. Lil' Kim and Foxy on the same album is big to me. You got Jay-Z and Big on the same song. That is huge to me. It was really a family affair, and it showcased the best of the best in rap or in New York um, music. And I think that album is one that I'm always remember. It's always going to take me back to that specific time and just thinking – Everything's so shiny. It's so like lit up and it's beautiful. Even though the album was a little depressing, I think it is. It, it's yeah. it's a it's a great album. The way Puff restructured it after Big's death, beautiful. Like it's just the right amount of sadness. You know, just the right amount of Phyllis Hyman with a little bit of cocaine <laughs> to keep you going. That's <laughs> a little bit of cocaine. Just a little bit. All right, all right. So, I mean, I definitely get it. I respect it. So, to me, I feel like it's. It's so many parallels. The more you talk, it does remind me of Chronic versus uh, Doggy Style because it's where, for one, like we know, like Mace is definitely a better rapper than Puff, even if he wasn't a great, great rapper, he's still better than Puffy. Same way Snoop is obviously a better rapper than Dre, but also how you mentioned the pain and the suffering that was there for Puffy's album is kind of paralleling the riots in L.A., when Chronic dropped, because it was like Chronic had those darker tracks. They had the day the niggas took over and even some of the more album cuts that were deeper just had a darker sound to it. While Doggy Style was more so, okay, we feeling good now. We partying more. And I kind of see the same way with the Mason Diddy. I feel like with that Puff album, but when it comes to those kind of uh, depressing dark tracks, pain and all those, it's like 
they don't necessarily always connect to me the same way. I get what he was going for. I, I totally feel where he was at, but because he wasn't the best rapper or artist in that in that sense, I feel like they didn't always connect the same way that say if it had been Jada Kiss or Biggie making these dark records. The party records, obviously, Benjamin's you can't touch that period. But I feel like with Mace, because Mace just kind of stayed within his lane and did what he did best. I feel like he, he ended up coming up with a, a much stronger album. I feel like he doesn't really have any, um, to me, it's, it's not really as much filler. I feel like it's barely any filler. I think the album cuts end up being a little bit stronger because the singles kind of cancel out. I mean, because however you want to chop it up, of course, Benjamin's is the best track between the two albums, period. I'll give it that. But after you go there, I mean, the four singles on there, you, you got looking at me, which is basically us hearing the Neptunes for the first time along with the Nori, what, 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 super thug. It's like, that was the first, I would say looking at me is the first time I even really said, all right, who are the Neptunes? Who are these people who produce this? Mm. You get feel so good. Feel so good. Of course is to me that, that money, my money, my problems are so similar because they both have that, that type of 80s, seventies type of glare that, that upbeat we party in the, the way that they flip those samples. But the way that Maze got off on that and just that video thinking about them being in downtown Vegas on there. That was just spectacular. Then you get the What You Want, which was like the track for the ladies. It was where Mace Mace kind of reinvented the track for the ladies, which was what LL Kuze kind of was. I would say LL specialized in that. Once Mace came up, I feel like Mace became that ladies' man overnight with that. Of course, we heard him the first time really on the 112 Only You remix back in 96. But I feel like once this album came, Mace kind of set him, himself up to be like the kind of the modern day LL and kind of took that baton because... LL kind of took a quick hiatus in a sense between after 4321 and what he did on, you know, Ripper Strikes Back, all that, until he came back in 02 when he had the um, Love You Better, which, funny enough, was Neptunes, and Neptunes got, kind of got set up with Mace, of course, in 98. I feel like in that period, it was a quick moment where Mace was like the hottest rapper for the, the ladies. 97, 98, it was all about Mace, who had that balance of being like the pretty boy who had the charisma, charm, but I would say it all came from this album. Yeah, you know what? The albums are very similar. I think they're both fueled by Big's death in a different way. I think Puff's was more of a dedication mm. to Big, um, which is why you get the sad songs um, rebranded yeah. from the album that was going to just be a party record or a party album, um, which is also, it kind of ties into the filler element that you're talking about. I don't think there's any filler. Mm. I think it would have been filler on the album had Big not died because there were certain songs mm -hmm. that I don't think we would have gotten. And I think trying to make a party record, you don't tap into the emotion in the same way that he did after Big's death. And then you got yeah. Mace's album, which I, I think what helped him was Big being gone um, because Mace was mm -hmm. total opposite. Um, well, he was marketed as total opposite. Don't forget, May started with Cameron and them, so they they wasn't murder Mace. Yeah, yeah, murder Mace. He was marketed yeah. as total opposite, um, and I think that was in part to the violence that was taking place. Um, and we're gonna make it palatable, yeah. palatable yeah. to more people. Um, the the better party tracks, in my opinion, are still on no way out like it, it's still mm. the party tracks the the mobster theme all of the samples you got samples from david bowie you got roy ayers yarborough and people stevie wonder marvin gay diana ross love unlimited the jackson five cool in the gang roberta flack <laughs> al green grandmaster that like and then some of the samples were so strategic yeah. like you're using marvin gaze if i should die tonight think about that because the album is about big's death and then you're also using 
songs by new edition like is this the end and you know they might have been singing to a girl but i i feel the samples were very strategic in the album being um such a great album and viewed as an album for puff's therapy after getting over big and then you got songs i mean it makes sense i mean i do feel like um the way that he used those samples, of course, that budget was probably high, but <laughs> I do feel like when it just came to the album cuts, that's kind of where it is. I feel like even if if Puffy's uh, singles might have been at the same level, a little bit better, I feel like the album cuts give me that advantage. I feel like he had, of course, do you want to get that money? Like, I remember that song, you know, um, while y'all players want to play, hey, like, I remember hearing that, just people around school just seeing that one all the time. And then he had the Love You So type tracks with Billy Lawrence. He also had DMX on there twice, and it was the year before DMX kind of took over everything, but he had DMX on there twice. He had him, of course, on uh, Take, Take Was Yours, but then on 24 Hours to Live, I feel like he had the better street single of the two albums because 24 Hours to Live was not a commercial, glossy party record, but that ended up being huge because the video was so dope and just because it was such a... Like, we still talk about that. We even, our first season, we even had a whole segment we based did. on that one time about, like, yep. and we had 24 hours to live, you know? So I feel like even that had a lot of impact. And then one thing, too, is 97, so the South hadn't even taken over yet, but he had 8-Ball and MJG on the player way, and that song didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like one of those, oh, let's put them on because we got to have a song for the South. Nobody was doing that in 97. 97 was still more so, if anything, let's make a song with the West Coast to show we have peace and we get along now. But they said, nah, we... We rocking with Memphis, which was like, that was kind of unheard of for the time. So I give him props for that. And even when it came to like the, the songs that didn't become singles that had potential, like Cheat On You with the 112 and C's, that song could have been a single easily, I feel like. And then even the comedic song, like one thing about Bad Boy in that era, they were good at having those funny, hilarious songs. And we used to love Jealous Guy, as dumb as it was, but it was a great closer. It kind of set the tone that this album is not that serious. This album is kind of a lighthearted album. And it's funny that that they both sampled No Edition in different ways. Puffy sampled No Edition to make a serious track, and he sampled them to make kind of a, a comedic track in, in that same way. Just that kind of hilarious, you know, whatever it was. That, that So All right, I feel so like it, it showed the four. I'm going to run it. The singles, you got Victory, and the way the energy builds on that track, and then when Busta Rhymes come in, comes in, it's crazy. You got Can't Nobody Hold Me Down with the Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Sample is an iconic 90s song and video. You got I'll Be Missing You. That was an anthem. You got All About the Benjamins. That's no explanation needed for that. And then you got Been Around the World. You got singers on the album. You got Kelly Price all over the album. You got Carl Thomas. You got a song with Genuine. You have 112. And you have the Faith Evans, arguably one of the greatest singers from the 1990s on the album. That album fueled Wu-Tang is for the children. And that was because Puff... <laughs> was winning all the damn awards. <laughs> oh, you know, they won the Grammy for the best rap album and ODB was tired of the shit. Wow. You know, you got the rappers, you got Big, Busta, Mace, Kim, Carl Thomas, yeah. Jay-Z, Black Rob, The Locks, Twista, Foxy Brown, again, on an album with Kim. You got all them on this album and I just think it is a better album overall. I think, yeah, Mace let us party, but Puff gave us a little more. I get it, I get it. I mean... Obviously, it's Puff, so he had all his friends to cover up for his own, you know, lack of amazing rap skills. Hey, so, I mean, it, it made sense, but I mean, but, but Maze did have a lot of features as well, but he didn't have quite as many. But either way, I feel like he had the better overall project, and I feel like he set himself up uh, better as an artist. Like, I mean, we all know that when we first heard Fabulous, it was like, oh, he's, he's this Maze part two. When we heard 50 Cent, 50 and Fabulous were so different, but they both took a strong influence from Maze. 
like the whole flow that 50 used because when we first heard 50 he didn't sound like that but after he got <laughs> shot it was like he sound just like a kind of a more hood mace it's the whole like mace kind of created that lazy but comedic type of flow so i feel like just the fact that he was able to kind of showcase that for a whole album that definitely was was what, what made it what it was and those singles i'm telling you those singles hit so hard i feel like feel so good the mace got the ladies yeah yeah like i think mace just showed his artistry because he was he was good at making full songs it's where he didn't have to have the Ghost Riders behind him and other artists to fill in. It was where he was able to do the hooks. He was able to do the that's what we doing. bridges, everything. Okay. That's what we're doing with it. But, okay. You know, I love Puff. Of course, Puff. <laughs> hey, what's up, Puff? That's, that's the homie forever now. But that's what it is. So at this time, we're going to do it different. We're going to have we're gonna have the audience just. So everybody who is on Twitch, on Twitter Spaces, on Riverside, including our <laughs> producers, let us know. We'll give you about one minute to kind of... Think about it real quick, but what album uh, do you think won in this debate, at least? Who, who would you say won this debate? Would it be EB with the No Way Out, or would it be me with the um, Harlem World? Harlem Let me World. know. Let's see what they're talking about. Let's see. Let's see. So we are waiting for the responses. Shout out to everybody who's tuned in on Twitch. Shout out to Yo, everybody for real. who's... Yeah. Shout out to everybody tuned in. Like, we're reading the comments. It's hard to keep up, but... We we read in the comments. We got our producer working overtime. Shout out to Melissa for pasting all the comments yeah. in this chat so we can keep up. But come on, be real, y'all. Which album would you listen to more? Don't he said? Don't just do that because he went to fam you and he talked about Maze oh, and Maze got this. dimples. Nobody don't care about that. Give us look the real this. answer. You mad because you ain't got dimples? You happy? Lucky like you got a beard now. Listen, the beard when I lose weight, whatever. you're gonna be able to see yeah. these dimples. And this beard, oh, you yeah. Got All right. You know, All right. I got dimples too. I can you rap too, too. Uh, and it, not lazily. I can rap for real. Shout out to really? Mace, though. Ain't nobody heard any of that before. Well, Nobody's don't worry to about that, it. So. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. I'm looking at. All right, let's see what the comments is talking about. So let's like. Looks like Les Boogie said no way out. Christina said no way out. Mm. L. Pierre said uh, E.B. had the better argument for no way out. Steve said the same thing. I thought y'all was my people. You know, y'all ain't getting free to none of my parties no more. <laughs> Leisha B. said Harlem World. Booski said Harlem World. Evil Ninja said Harlem World. Odyssey Nicole said no way out. Uh, L. Bing said Harlem World. Uh... My lady said no way out because she just, of course, she had a concert experience. She's I'm sure. a professional, so what my lady said, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess Polo 22 MM says no way out. Uh, let's see. We, we already got, got Mikey T saying no way out. Saying no way out. Booski, right, right, Harlem right. World, Pride World. Okay. Amadou. Okay. He, he would yeah, me. What Amadou say? He what would me. He would. He would Listen, I'm gonna do, man, you, you ain't you ain't had him now. No you, way you, out. You wasn't outside. He you was listening. Outside. He was he was wearing his shiny pants. Creased <laughs> up from outside. the dry cleaners. He was wearing them. He was there. Yeah, he was none yet. He was playing that uh that that e -fodio. He was up there in Seattle bumping that bay. He was playing that. <laughs> all right, all right. Looks like EB took this one. So all right. So for the live episode. EB went ahead and took this yeah, one, so thank congratulations. You. You, know, I, I, you know, we we listen, the beat match is yeah. always the hardest part of this show because yeah. artistic and I have like such similar tastes. We will go back and forth on ideas like which album you think better, which song, which producer. And we ninety eight point nine percent of the time choose the same person. And sometimes yeah. we'll just like take the like, all right, I'll I'll take the other argument just to see what but Keep listening to us, y'all. We do this every show. We two seasons yeah. in. Go back. 
Apple Music. Go back, Spotify. Listen, we we got beat matches with everybody. Next season, we're going to have more beat matches. We're going to throw a Beyonce yeah. one in there next season. Just Ooh. for y'all. Just for fun. We should do a Beyonce and Nicki Minaj. It don't make no sense. We, I, just want, I, I want the Beehive versus the we, Barbs to we tune can in. We can do that. We might get 18 million listeners. Yeah, we're going to shut it down. If we yeah. set it up right. We're going to yeah. do that. We, yeah, we should. We should. Beyonce and Nicki, let's go. It don't make any sense at all. There's I mean, no parallels. But they both they carry but... their respective genres on their back for a couple years. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're wrong with that. Yep, and I think the Beehive, uh, they're strong, but, you know, I'm a Barb. You know, I'm an I'm a, I'm a unofficial Barb. <laughs> oh, now right you're now. a Barb. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm Beehive am. all the way. But I love, right, I love the right. Barbs, too, though. I don't want no, Look, we don't want no problems. It's funny because even, even with, the, with me posting Beyonce's song, like, I ain't mentioned anything about Nicki at all, but somebody commented talking about, you know what? Beyonce is jealous of Nicki Minaj because whenever she, I'm like, well, cheating, well, nothing about this I'm not going to say it because I'm not, y'all ain't going to come after me, but yeah, yeah, maybe they got a point. Who I mean, knows? They might have a point though. You're right. You're right. They might, they, they always have a good point. Anyway, <laughs> this is behind the wheels podcast. This concludes season two. So we'll be on a hiatus. So everybody who's tuned in, Thank you. We appreciate you once again. Please go back and listen to season one and two. It's available yes. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review us. You can find me. I'll be on Twitch every Wednesday for Westside Wednesdays. We'll be having a, a music trivia night coming up again soon. Follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, on um, I'm on TikTok. I might get back on Black Planet. Yeah, you TikTok. TikTok. I might come it. back on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get back, trying to appeal to the to the youngsters out there. Uh, EB, where can they find you? Y'all can find me everywhere. EB for Prez. That's EB the number four, and then Prez P R E Z. I'm Twitter. I'm Instagram. If you on Facebook, EB for Prez, and it'll take you to the professional page. EB's Vintage okay. Soul. So that's all music before 1994. So it's okay. going back to the fifties, black music, black move. It's black, everything, black excellence. So check me yeah. out. That's what it is. So much love to our producer, Melissa for holding yes. us down for the last two seasons doing her thing. Man. If you see Melissa at any parties, I'm not going to say where she going to be at. That's Melissa <laughs> right there. Look at her. Yeah. The natural, this is natural hair gang in the this, building. Everybody, we listen, we here. all natural here. Yeah. We, we are. We are. We black. We doing that. We black and we holding it down. So, Appreciate y'all for uh, rocking with us. And to my manager and producer, the lady. Happy yes. birthday. It was her happy, it's happy her birthday, birthday week, you know. She out here celebrating. She's a cancer in the building. So she's not going to show her face, but she should, you know, because she, she has she to don't have to show her face. She got that knowledge. She got that knowledge. She know what's going on. Just because she voted on. for you today. Just because she voted for you. Well, all right, all right. I'm going to take what I can get. Hey, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Appreciate y'all for rocking with us. We will see y'all next season, but make sure y'all tune into our previous episodes. Yes. Out of here, fam. You in the building. We bin, out, y'all. H-U. We don't know. We don't know <laughs> nothing about that. Nothing about it. Hater. Out of here. Behind the Wheels is produced by Melissa D. Montz and the Lady Set. And the music is provided by Epidemic Sound. 